0: Hello, my name is Amanda and with my husband, I lead our venue at Everyday Sutton. And I am bringing to you our latest installment as we work through the Gospel of John. I had the privilege of being allowed access to the forecourt of Buckingham Palace to see the changing of the guard. And this was because I had a letter giving me authority to pass through the gates Um, signed by somebody who worked there at the time. Now, this did not give me access anywhere else. It was an immense privilege, but I I couldn't walk in um, to the palace. I certainly couldn't walk in to the throne room. Um, But um, thinking about somebody like Prince William, he has full access to the throne room, um, to the ear of his father, the king, um, to even... Um, those much more um, private areas of the palace. And I want to talk about John's Gospel today and how we have access to the Father. And we're um, reading the passage today from John 16. Um, verses 16 to 33. What I'm going to do is read the whole lot to you and unpack it a little bit as we go. And then I want to concentrate on one particular area that Jesus um, repeats three times in this discourse. Uh, They've um, had the Last Supper. He's spoken to um, the disciples in the upper room. And Now he's walking through the streets on the way to Gethsemane, on the way to being betrayed. And um, we are kind of picking things up in verse 16. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. And he's warning the disciples and he's been warning them all through his three years with them that he's going to die on the cross And then he's going to be resurrected. And he's trying to make things clear to them. And at this, some of the disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. And because I'm going to the father. And they kept asking, what does he mean by in a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. And so he said to them, are you asking one another what I mean when I said in a little while you will see me no more and then after a little while you will see me. And, you know, Jesus did this often. He saw what was in people's hearts. He'd often asked the disciples what they were arguing about along the road. And he cared about their lack of comprehension and their, their wish to understand. And, you know, this is why we love to ask questions about our faith. We love to ask questions about the Bible. This is why we run Alpha courses. It is Good and right, to use our critical thinking, to use every part of us to try and understand um, this wonderful faith that we have, and so moving on very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. and Simon um, really helped us think about the world um, last week, that it was the people who were in opposition to Jesus to god 's kingdom. And he says, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. He knows that they will grieve and feel at such loss um, when he dies at the hands of the religious leaders and the Romans, and um, that they will mourn. And he said, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. This is true. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. This is also true, a great joy. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And what Jesus was saying is that they would feel the loss for a little while but he would come back, he would become alive again. And he was telling them that their grief would be for a short time. In that day, you will no longer ask me saying anything. Sorry, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the father on your behalf. No, the father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. This is the set of verses that I'm going to come back to because Jesus repeats this phrase, ask anything, ask anything in my name and it will be given you. Ask the Father in my name and it will be given you. So we'll come back to that. Moving on then Jesus' disciples said now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech this is like their eureka moment they're finally getting it now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions this makes us believe that you came from god some of the commentators see this as a bit patronizing and and actually Jesus' reply is both humorous and tender do you now believe Jesus replied and then so tender because he knows their weakness and their frailty. A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. He has warned Judas of his betrayal, Peter of his denial and now he warns the rest of the disciples that they will all run away, all of them when he's arrested in the garden. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Jesus puts his trust in the presence of his Father. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And again, he, he repeats this during this beautiful discourse in the upper room and in the streets on the last night um, before his betrayal and his arrest he keeps telling them that they will have peace. In the world, you will have trouble because there is followers and they are going to follow his way and his kingdom. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension to the Father means that his kingdom has come and will be ever advancing. I'm going to go back um, to that very first, um, that, that passage And um, it's back to verses 23 to 27. And um, different versions, they'll say, I tell you truly, very truly, um, truly, truly. Uh, If you go right back to the um, King James authorised version, verily, verily. And it actually means in the original Greek that um, John wrote in. uh, And actually, he was translating from Aramaic, which Jesus was speaking, which was same word in Hebrew, amen, amen. And we normally say amen at the end of a prayer or maybe a great declaration, amen. Jesus, again and again through John, begins an important statement by saying amen, amen. And we see he does it twice in this passage, um, but also right throughout John. When, When you see, very truly I tell you, it's actually originally written as amen, amen. And what he's saying is, I tell you already this is true. We put amen at the end saying, may it be so. May this be true. And Jesus says, amen, amen, at the beginning of something that's really important because he's putting his credibility on it. He's telling us already, this is true. And so this alerts us to that this is really important. And what Jesus is saying is that he has been with the disciples for three years. They've done everything. They've asked him for everything. They've even stepped out and seen signs and wonders through him sending them out. Um, but now he's telling them something new. And this is the radical thing about John's gospel. Absolutely radical. All throughout John's gospel, Jesus refers to God as father. And he's actually using um, Aramaic and Hebrew word Abba. Abba, which is a deeply personal word for father. And, you know, this would be similar to us saying daddy. Papa. You know, this is a deeply personal family word for, for father. This is radical. Even in the Old Testament, um, God was, not, was rarely referred to as father. He was referred to by many names, but only occasionally father to the nation of Israel. And in the, in the Psalms, he's referred to as the father of the king, the anointed king, which in turn pointed to anointed Messiah to come. And here, Jesus Comes this rabbi from Nazareth, and the religious leaders hated this that he kept talking about the Father. He kept talking about intimacy with the Father, that he and the Father were one, and all through he's using this word, Abba. And the amazing thing is that Jesus is teaching us that we have access to the Father direct access. And this is because of his death on the cross, that great exchange where our separation from a holy God because of our wrongdoing, our sin, we have no way to come in. We have no access to come in, no authority, but Jesus took our sin upon him and died on the cross. Knowing that that separation between a ho- him and a holy God. And his resurrection shows that it was enough. His sacrifice, his, the penalty that he took for us is enough. And through his body, through his death, his resurrection, we have access. Hebrews 4, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Jesus' ascension, he is reigning with the Father now. He continues to be a high priest for us, a high priest forever. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Romans 8 verse one, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have free access, not just to the forecourt, just inside the gates. Through Jesus' blood shed for us, his body broken for us. When we believe and have faith in him, We have full access to the Father. This is radical. And I want you to go away knowing that you have access to the Father. You know, I actually probably spent the first half of my Christian life, and it was just because of the way we were, you know, I was taught. um, I, you know, was taught to approach God. I was taught to, um, you know, and I had a beautiful friendship with Jesus. I would walk along talking to him on my way to school. I'm an external processor, so I might as well just tell Jesus everything that's on my heart. But it was only probably in the second half as an adult that I started learning what it means to approach God as father and to enjoy praying to him as father. And it's actually the Holy Spirit who helps that. Um, Romans 8.14, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba. Father, that word again, that intimate word for Father, Abba Father. And so um, we need to know our identity as sons and daughters. It's beautiful. It's what Jesus has done. And it's what the Holy Spirit brings out in us as we have faith in Jesus, faith in his work on the cross that he brings us right in to the Father. And, And we pray from a place of identity and it doesn't change. It doesn't change. You know, if my kids messed up and I had to, you know, bring correction or talk to them, nothing changed their identity as my sons. Nothing changed my love for them. And this is the same with us. We can come confidently to the throne of grace. And we also, Jesus is teaching us that we get to ask in his name. Uh, So I got access to the four courts of Buckingham Palace because I had a, a, a letter with a signature that gave me authority to come through the gates. We have more than that. Um, some commentators, um, depending on how far you go back, they talk about a promissory note um, signed in Jesus' name that we have, we have authority to come in, but also authority to ask, to ask whatever according to his will in his name, um, they might. Um, other commentators talk about a check, a blank check signed, and that you can sign in the name of the richest millionaire in the world. So that would be Elon Musk at the moment. And um, you know, or I would say, you know, somebody giving you their Apple Pay, um, somebody rich, um, and that you have free access to. Um, there are other um, other um, means of paying as well. And um, but um, this is what Jesus, all of Jesus' riches in his name. It's not like some magic incantation or even the way you sign an email, Um, always making sure you tack on the end in Jesus' name. (laughs) Um, I often write the body of my email first and then put in all the extra bits afterwards. He's not saying that, pray exactly this way and then you'll get what you need. It's so much more. It is so much more. Jesus' name carries both his authority, his riches, the fact that he is interceding with the Father on our behalf. We can pray directly to the Father, but then he says, look, look at Amanda. She's hidden in my righteousness. I have carried her sins away. Her name is written in my book. Look, she's praying. That's, That's what it means as well. But also, praying in the name of Jesus means that we are adopted into the family. We are chosen to bear much fruit. We have all the riches of Jesus, the absolute riches of Jesus for us. In the name of Jesus um, means that we're carrying his authority. We, we have the inheritance. We share his inheritance. We, we're seated with Christ, all of this, all of this is included when Jesus says to pray in his name. We are praying out of identity, authority, and inheritance. All of that is ours, and that gives us confidence to come close to the Father and to ask. And these verses say, you know, ask and you will receive. James 4. James 1 talks about ask for wisdom. So that's that's always a good thing to ask for when you're praying. James 4 says you do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you ask with wrong motives just to spend stuff on your own selfish desires. And, you know, this is Jesus saying, ask anything. But that's because when you come close to the Father, when you learn to pray to the Father, you actually start to hear his heart. And he leads you to pray for far more than you could ask or imagine. He leads you to pray for what is on his heart and what is on his heart for kingdom and for mercy and compassion. And so we get to ask in Jesus' will. We get to ask. You know, Jesus always said, I'm saying what the Father's saying. I'm doing what the Father is doing. That's the kind of prayers we start praying. And we get to pray prayers that will mean that we are incredibly fruitful. We learned that from John 15, didn't we? About abiding in the vine, abiding with the Father. So what are you asking the Father for? What are you asking God for? There are many people through history. I love um, reading biographies of people who encourage me um, and who ask for far more than I could ask or imagine. Amy Carmichael, she admitted that as a child, she asked God for blue eyes. And um, she realized later, actually, um, it was right that he said no to that. (laughs) She did get an answer. It was no. And because she then gave 55 years of her adult life to India, and she felt that with her brown eyes, that she was fitted in better with her brothers and sisters. And she asked God for mission, for mercy, for disciples. George Muller in Bristol, 19th century again. He provided homes for orphan children and he trusted God for their everyday bread. Our Father who is in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us today our daily bread. He took it literally. He literally prayed in their every need. He didn't tell people, he told his father. Hudson Taylor, 19th century, mission to China, started the china Inland mission. He followed on from George Muller. He saw his example and he literally took God at his word that if God in his faithfulness had called him to China and the missionaries he led, and as they went further and further in to share God's good news with a beautiful people, he believed that God would provide everything they needed. And they did, he did. James Fraser, 20th century, following on from Hudson Taylor. He asked the father for a people. He poured out his heart. He knew that the father had said his inheritance was the Lisu people who live on the border between China and Burma. And he trusted God for them. He trusted the Father for them. He was cut off, um, having visited them in the summer. The winter meant he couldn't visit that mountainous province. And all he could do was pray. All he could do was pray. And when he returned, he saw that the gospel seeds had borne fruit and they had grown as disciples. And all because he trusted the Father for what the Father had told him he would give him. Heidi Baker, 21st century, Mozambique, and, and many other places in the world. She believed God had told her that she would see people healed from blindness. <laughs> so um, she, she writes in her book that she would um, slew her Land Rover into the ground where she would see somebody blind begging and, and pray for them. And she just kept doing it. God had told her, you know, Jesus said in John 14, that you will do greater things than me. She believed she took God at her word and she was asking the Father to see blind eyes, seeing. And she just kept persevering until she saw miracles happen. And she does see um, people who have been blind, then seeing. Amazing. What are you asking the Father for? When my boys were younger, I remember them saying one day, uh, does God even answer prayer? And I was like astounded. You know, well, of course he does. And then I thought about what do we pray? And the kind of things we were praying was, dear God, please can I have a nice day today. Can I have a lovely day today. And actually, how can you measure, how can you measure that? How can you measure prayers like that, which are kind of bland? And so we made a decision as a family to pray for things that only God could provide for. And the first encouragement he gave us was that as we finished praying that we would go on this journey of seeing God answer prayer, uh, we couldn't find the remote control for the TV. And we were stuck on a very boring TV channel, very boring. And we couldn't get off that TV channel and so we prayed, Father, please show us where the TV remote control is. And I was sitting on the floor and I just put my hand down a sofa nobody usually sat on and pulled it out straight away. Um, what an answer for sons. <laughs> what an answer for boys. And um, we got off that boring TV channel. Um, but, um, you know, that was actually, we started to see amazing provision for us. Um, uh, God provided for us over and beyond, and that that was amazing. But we've also um, stepped in to praying for people for healing, and um, it's great to write a journal, um, even if you just write a tiny bit. But I kind of look back and I see prayers I've prayed, and I see how God has answered it. And you know, that's how remember what you've prayed. I write notes in my Bible and um, with dates on it, so I can just see what God is answering. We ask the Father for His glory and that we may be very fruitful. I would say, if I was going to tell you what I have been asking God for, this is over a couple of decades. And in the last 10 years, God has given me a picture that, you know, I'm, at, I'm praying at this door um, and I'm pressing in. I, it's like I'm a small child pressing into this door that only the Father can open. And the word he's spoken over me is that he is sending an outpouring of salvation and healing over London, the nation and the nations. And I'm pressing in. And you see this ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Jesus also talks in Matthew 7 and Luke 11 when he was teaching about prayer. Ask, ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be open; Seek and you will find. And the Greek he uses there is, is a, an imperative command. It's, it isn't just something you do once. It's ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking. And I don't know about you, but I have had prayers that I haven't seen answered yet. And it's like I'm, I'm pressing in at this door and I haven't seen it opened yet. And for some of you, that can lead to disappointment. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that can lead to anger. It is okay. This is why we pray to a father who loves us. It is okay to tell him how you are feeling about the delay. Look at Abraham and Sarah and how long they waited for the promised son to come. And it was frustrating, disappointing. And yet God saw their waiting as faith. He commends them in Hebrews 11. This prayer I am praying for my city, my nation and the nations. As I'm pressing against this door, the delay cannot be because I am not praying right. Because I can't pray right, the Holy Spirit helps me. I pray in tongues often at many points in my day because it helps me pray in a language that is straight connects me to my father and then helps me pray again in my birth language just from another level. In fact, the Holy Spirit prays with groans right from my spirit that I can't even express. But I am inconsistent. At times, I lack power. I lack faith. I get distracted There are times over the years that I've been praying against this door that, you know, I've been banging my head on it. I've maybe been doing handstands, you know, if if I really exert myself, surely God will answer. At times I've probably been sitting with my back to the door or even lying down asleep beside it. But the Holy Spirit blows and the Father whispers, come here, there's more. So I just lean against what he has said in his word, what he has promised and what he has said prophetically and pray and pray and ask, ask and keep on asking. And God will have put on your heart and you know maybe today as you've listened to me expound what Jesus has said that we can come to the Father directly and we are to ask and keep on asking, and to press in. You see, what happens is that God reveal will reveal to you the extension of his kingdom, the inheritance you hold, the authority you carry. But most of all, your identity as a son and a daughter. Adopted in so that you can pray to Abba. Know that you are accepted, you are loved, And actually, there are times when your Father will lift you up and give you his perspective. And what seems to be a delay, he'll actually show you. He'll show you the the bigger picture at times. But he calls us to be faithful and to keep on asking. And so, as we ask the Father, as we ask Abba, we pray from a place of identity and authority knowing who we are in Jesus and what we have in Jesus. And so we pray in his name and we keep on praying. We keep on pressing in. It's all because he's given us full access to a relationship with the Father. By his death, his resurrection, his ascension, he lives to intercede for us and the Holy Spirit helps us pray. Thank you.